It's good to see you. Are you happy? It's excellent. We're having a great time here. A short visit, but it's been wonderful already. And uh, we've enjoyed lovely fellowship with Pastor James and Michelle. And you're blessed with great pastors. How many people here love your pastors? Give me waves. That's good to see. And uh, we're having a good time and sharing the Word of God. Since we were here last year, uh, it's been quite a journey. Many of you will remember the story I told. We'd been to America for five months. We'd connected with Christ for All Nations, the ministry founded by Reinhard Bonnke. And uh, it was pretty amazing. Uh, Reinhard Bonnke, before he passed away at 79 in 19, uh, 2019, had seen 79 million souls through the ministry, which is pretty good. Uh, better than nothing. Amen. And uh, But anyway, Daniel Kalenda has been training evangelists, and it's been great to be part of that. And uh, God put a vision on my heart to take these trained evangelists into Africa to do crusades with them in teams. And so I'm coaching evangelists. So in July last year, I went back to Africa, to Tanzania. It was open to the gospel. And I led, uh, we had about five teams in the end. We had seven crusades I was directing, but only seven of them ended up happening because of COVID. But um, so I trained and coached 14 evangelists. We did five crusades. We had 75,364 registered decisions to Jesus. How awesome is that? I mean, it's just so such a, a great ripe harvest field. So right now I am planning another trip in July back into Africa. And uh, so we're raising teams at the moment. I've got evangelists emailing me flat out right now. And so we'll be back there doing another series of crusades and believing God for 100,000 salvations. So why, why not just keep on going up? Amen. And that's, that's what we're looking for. It's going to be great. So I'm going to share the word. But before I do, my beautiful wife is here and she's going to come and say g'day. She's got something on her heart and she's going to pray. And then we're going to go for it this morning. Amen. Morning, church. It's such a joy to be here with you guys this morning. Um, and God's just um, put a little scripture on my heart to share with you guys that I hope encourages you and inspires you in your faith. Um, as some of us have already sort of said this morning, like we are in this crazy time at the moment in the world. Last year, I started studying church history. So right from the beginning, from 30 AD, I've come all the way up to the Reformation. And something that has stood out to me is that in these times of crisis, political, social, cultural, where there's sickness, where there's wars, which has been happening throughout the times and the ages, but the one thing that excites me about it is that during these times where the world is suffering and people are struggling, not only is revi does revival and reformation come to the church, but also there is, it's fertile ground for a spiritual hunger to come into the hearts of the people. And we have certainly been seeing that in everyday Australian people, not just overseas, like, but here in Australia. We're believing for souls in Australia, for an awakening in Australia. And the Lord just put this verse on my heart, which is from Acts 3, uh, verse 13, which is in the context of when Peter and John are preaching the gospel in Jerusalem. And this is primarily to the Jews. 
And so the Jewish council is not happy about this. And this is when the persecution begins and they end up dispersing, carrying the gospel with them. But listen to this verse. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. But they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Amen. When you are with, spend time with Jesus in his presence, in his word, and you cultivate intimacy, that strong relationship with him, fruitfulness flows from your life. It's internal transformation, sanctification. It just happens through intimacy. And you will capture his heart for the people around you. You'll know your identity. Doesn't matter what background you've come from. Doesn't matter your lack of education. You can be a new believer in Christ. The next day, get up and start sharing boldly. I did it. The week I was radically saved, 26 years old, and I'm in a tent overseas sharing about Jesus that I'd only met a week ago. Amen? Because you know your identity in Christ. You are called. You're carriers of the ministry of reconciliation. So I just want to pray for us this morning because I know the word that's about to be preached. It's going to preach faith. It's going to release a faith. And we need it right now in this time and season because there are people all around us who need to not only hear about Jesus, but encounter him and experience him for real in their lives. Amen. So let's pray over the word. Father, we thank you that your word alone is eternal. It's the foundation upon which we stand. It's the one thing, Lord, when all other people, when their words change, when culture changes and political things, shifts happen, your word remains the same. Father, your kingdom will never fail. And we are here this morning as your sons and your daughters, your beloved. We're here with joy, Lord, to come and receive a word from you, God. And I pray for every heart, Lord, that they would receive everything you have for them. Father, I pray, stretch their faith, Lord. Lord, if there's any boxes that you've been put in, Lord, break it apart this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you will not be limited through our lives, God, because you've given us authority in Jesus. You have made us sons and daughters. So I pray, Father, as the word is preached, that we would yield, surrender, and say yes, Lord, even if it freaks us out in the natural, that our spirit would say yes, because we love you, Lord. You redeemed our life from the pit of sin, and you crowned us with love and compassion. So we will praise you, Lord, we pour out our love upon you, and we ask you humbly to have your way in and through us this morning as a church. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, darling. I can't wait to hear what God's going to do or see what God's going to do after a prayer like that. And uh, by the way, um, I just want to throw something out there. God can do amazing things through your life. And I believe God's got exciting things in store for lives that don't even realize it or are afraid to step out into it. We've been married for just over three years. And just after we got married, I mean, I've been preaching in the nations all over the world for, for many years. And uh, 
just just after we got married, I got my wife to start sharing her testimony in churches, and it was powerful. It was impacting churches, a lot of people getting responding and getting touched, and then I, I booked her into a ladies' conference, and she spoke in a ladies' conference, and I did a couple of meetings too, and, and then from there... Churches have been inviting my wife to preach, and they've been. She's been doing ladies' conferences and and uh, ladies' meetings and church meetings and stuff. And so, watch this woman. Just just remember the name Fiona Butler because you're going to hear great things happening with her around the world. Uh, it's just very very exciting to be part of that part of your journey, Fee. It's great. But uh, I want to share about miracles today. How many people believe God's got a miracles? Amen. And you know, when you read through Scripture, you find that uh, miracles just, you come across miracles, Old Testament, New Testament, it's all the way through there. And I want to I wanna focus on one of the greatest miracle workers of the Old Testament. His name is Elisha. And in fact, Elisha is a type of Christ in Scripture. His miracles often parallel the miracles of Jesus. And the name Elisha actually means, my God is salvation. Jesus, of course, means Savior. So there is some similarities even in the, the names there. But we find Elisha has humble beginnings, 1 Kings chapter 19. He is, uh, he's out serving in the field. He's a plowman in the field, his father's field. But his father is a rich Landowner, but he's not a, a wealthy, snot rich kid, you know, who has the sense of entitlement and doesn't want to do anything, just waiting for his inheritance. Now he's plowing in the hot sun and working hard. One day he's taken by surprise when the great prophet Elijah comes and throws his mantle over Elisha. Elisha knew what this meant. This meant you're going to take over from me, mate, one day. And uh, he was like, well, let me go and say goodbye to my mum and dad, which he did. And then he came back and he took the, the plow he was using in the field, smashed it up, made a fire. He took the oxen, killed them, chopped them up, and he made barbecue and gave barbecue meat to all of his workmates, which gave the impression that he had no intention of going back to his secular employment uh, once he had received the call of God, but possibly at that time he also gave up his inheritance to go and follow the prophet Elijah. Elijah was a great prophet, and, and Elisha spent years with Elijah just catching something of this great man. But one day Elijah was going to be taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. Does anyone know anyone who's been taken up to heaven in a whirlwind? I do. My mum was taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. It's a true story. At my mum's funeral in New Zealand a few years back, we were in the service and going through the service and a bit of noise going on outside. We weren't quite sure what it was all about until we came outside after the service to discover a huge tornado had come in from the ocean and gone right up through the center of the city, taken Bunnings roof off and everything and gone right up the street adjacent to the church and picked up my mum and she went up to heaven in a whirlwind. I thought, good on your mum. So, but anyway, Elijah, he was going to go up to heaven in a whirlwind. And that particular day, he was on a bit of a mission going from city to city, Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho. And he was probably going to say goodbye to all his mates and, and uh, say farewell to the people of God and everything like that. But he had Elisha with him, but every 
town, before he went to the next town, he said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has called me to the next town. Each time he said that, Elisha said, no way, I'm sticking with you. See, Elisha knew Elijah was going to be taken that day, and there was something he wanted to get hold of from Elijah before he was taken, so he did not want to miss out on the moment. So they go from town to town. Eventually, they come to the River Jordan. And standing at the Jordan River, Elijah takes his mantle off and he strikes the river with the mantle. And whoosh, the river splits in two. They walk across the ground on dry ground. This is phenomenal when you consider the river is rushing and then they're walking on dry ground. Where's the water going? I don't know, banking up somewhere. But it came, they got to the other side, the river closed up. And walking along together, Elijah says to Elisha, mate, you've been hanging around me all day like a bad smell. What do you want? He didn't quite put it like that. You know, it's a prophet. He probably said something like, what can I do for you before I'm taken away? Yea, verily. And uh, so Elisha was ready with the question. It was the $64,000 question he was waiting for. He was ready with his question. And he said to Elijah, I want a double portion of your spirit. That's a bold thing to ask, right? Especially when you're talking to the, the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, you're basically saying to him, you're a great man of God, but I want to be twice as good as you. That's pretty, pretty cocky, isn't it? But how many people here today would dare to ask God for a double portion? Give me a wave. Who wants more from God, who believe God has got extraordinary things in store for you. Give me a wave. Amen. Yeah. And, and so I want us to get hold of this whole, this, the spirit of this man today and, and how it all happens, how it all transpires. So what happens, Elijah said to Elisha, what you've asked for is difficult. You've asked for a big thing right here. He said, but if you see me when I'm taken, it will be yours. Otherwise not. Now, the very next verse, perhaps it was the very next minute, this chariot of fire comes swooping down from heaven, goes right between the two of them, picks up Elijah, and whoosh, up he goes in this chariot of fire, in a whirlwind, and up into heaven. And Elisha shouts out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. Now, remember that. Because apparently that's what you need to shout out if you ever see a prophet taken up to heaven in a whirlwind, right? And no, it's quite significant. We'll get back to this. But so Elisha, Elijah's going up and he hears Elisha shout out. So he drops his mantle over the side. The mantle goes to the ground and Elisha, it's hard to get your head around these things. Elisha picks, takes off his mantle, picks up Elijah's mantle, puts it on. It's like, whoa, it fits. I'm the man now, you know. And he's he like got the swag. He's walking down to the river. And when he gets to the river, he's like, okay. And he takes off the mantle like Elijah did. And he struck the river. And he says, where now is the God of Elijah? And sure enough, whew, the river split in two. Pretty cool. You know, but when Elijah struck the river, that was the seventh miracle recorded in Scripture that he performed. When Elisha struck the river, that was the first of 
14 miracles recorded in Scripture that he performed. Pretty cool, hey? So he got his double portion. And uh, so I want to actually look at three of Elisha's miracles today. We're going to get something out of this, and I'm sure you're going to get hold of some things from God today. Now, the first miracle is found in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 to 7, and it's the story of one of Elisha's, uh, or the widow of one of Elisha's fellow prophets. The prophet had died, leaving his wife in debt. And the debt collectors had come along and they were threatening to take her two sons away and force them into slave labor in order to pay back the debt. So Elisha comes on the scene and uh, have a bit of a talk, tell them the problem. And Elisha simply says, well, what do you have in the house? To which the woman replied, oh, nothing but a flask of olive oil. Nothing but a flask of olive oil. Why say nothing when you have something? Because sometimes we think even what we do have is nothing really, you know. And, and the reality is this, God doesn't need what you don't have. He just needs what you do have. And when you're prepared to bring to God what you do have or what you are, who you are, God can take what you have, God can take who you are, and He can do something that you can't do. He can do something extraordinary with what you have, right? And so, this little flask of oil, it, it was one omer, enough for one anointing. Pour it on yourself, and that's it. It's all gone. And so this flask of oil, Elisha says, all right, Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your, fr from your friends and neighbors. Shut yourself in your house and pour olive oil from your flask into the jars and fill them up. Now you're talking a whole heap of jars, jugs, big containers, pots, whatever. Pour into those and fill them up. So immediately, it's got to be a step of faith. It's got to be like you're expecting a miracle the moment you start pouring. And sure enough, as they started pouring, the miracle started to happen. The first big pot filled up, and it's still coming out. So they went to the next one, and it kept pouring. And then the next one, and then the next one, and then the next one. And just soon, the whole lot of the pots are filling up. They're on the last pot. The mum turns to one of the sons, seeing what's happening. It's like, whoa, this is so awesome. Quick, get me another one. And the son says, oh, there is not another one. That's it. And I don't know about you, but that just strikes me as a dope moment. You know, I was like, oh, oh, we've run out. Why didn't we get more pots? You know, why didn't we go to more neighbors and borrow more? Why didn't we tip out all our pot plants and bring those pots? Why didn't we empty the fish tank out? And why didn't we bring the bathtub? And why didn't we use the swimming pool? Why? You just could have got so much more. Now, the Bible says that Elisha told the woman, go sell the oil. And, uh, you know, pay your debts. And they did. And there was enough money to take care of them for the rest of their lives, which was good. But the question I want to ask is this. Was that all God intended for them? Or did God have more in mind? You see, because if we fast forward 800 years to the miracles of Jesus doing multiplication, 
there was a number of occasions, but just focusing on the 5,000 men plus women and children, it all started, you know, with a little boy's lunch, five loaves and two fish. And when the disciples had discovered this, the boy had showed them and they brought this to Jesus and they said, we've got this. But again, it's this mentality. They said, well, but what is this among so many? Overwhelmed by the bigness of the task and the smallness of what they had. But that's not the point. You take what you have, give it to Jesus, and He multiplies it. He magnifies it. He does something amazing with it. And you can do so much more than you thought you could do. Amen. So there was a great miracle that took place. You know, Jesus blessed the food and they fed that multitude. But it wasn't just enough. And this is what you need to understand. It wasn't just enough. There were 12 baskets full of food left over. Same with the 4,000. Seven baskets full of food left over. There's an abundance. And when Jesus provides, there's more than enough. Because He doesn't want you just to be satisfied. He wants to bless you to be a blessing. He wants there to be a, an abundant overflow through your life. I mean, that happens, that happens um, physically, financially. It happens spiritually. We'll come to that in just a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 18, or verse 8, sorry. The Bible says, And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need. And plenty left over to share with others. Or some translations say, and an ab you will abound in every good work. So you'll have more than enough to be able to do everything God's called you to do. More than enough. A and there's this overflow. There's this extra blessing. That's, because see, the other cool thing that we learn from this miracle is that in Scripture, oil speaks of the Holy Spirit. And God will only stop pouring out His Holy Spirit when there are no more thirsty vessels to be filled. How many vessels here this morning are thirsty to be filled with the Holy Spirit? That's good. Well, I'm speak speaking to the right crowd today, and God will fill you. But it's interesting because in the situation with Elisha, with this miracle, the vessels were only filled to the brim. But when Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit, that speaks of an overflow. It speaks of an abundance. It speaks of more than we can contain. We don't receive the Spirit of God just to satisfy us. We don't receive the Spirit of God just to give us a warm fuzzy. We don't just receive it to, to you know, so that we can do this and that. It's so that God can move through us to touch other lives, so that we will be witnesses, so we will have an impact on the world around about us. Amen. And it's we can be satisfied with what we've got. You know, there's those that, that get born again. We receive the Holy Spirit when we're born again. It comes to live within us. But then we get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There comes an overflow. And there's some people that just get a little shundabundi, and that's about it, you know. And they kind of come to church, and but they just they barely pray in tongues. They they're barely used of God. They hardly ever see miracles happen or extraordinary things. And it's like the well's dried up. Well, you can get more. You can get topped up. You can get an overflow. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 16, and I started speaking in tongues and. And I haven't stopped since. I pray in tongues every day. I love praying in tongues. When I walk, I pray in tongues. When I drive, I pray in tongues. 
It's just awesome. But, you know, and, and I was 17 when I prayed for the first person to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then uh, I, I just started praying for people all over the world as I've been uh, itinerating. Sometimes in churches, it might be 20, 30 people get filled with the Spirit. Bigger churches might be two, 300 people get baptized in the Holy Ghost. And then in the Africa, we have a whole field full of people in every crusade get filled with the Spirit. It's awesome. I pour it out. But I, I like to pour it in too. I like to get more. You know, if there's someone who's doing more than what I'm doing, I want you to come and lay your hands on me. Brian Art Bonke, 79 million. I'm like, come and lay your hands on me. I've only seen 165 million, uh, 665,000 so far. Uh, I'm just getting started. So uh, I thought, you know, lay, he's laid his hands on me three times. He's passed a flaming torch to us. It was a you know, great honor to receive that. And, um, you know, so it, go for more. Keep going for more. Don't just settle. Don't just go, oh, well, I got it. I got it in 1952, uh, you know, 1979, whatever it was, 1990, I got, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Yeah, I'd been there, done that tick. It's like, no, go on being filled, as it says in the book of Ephesians. Keep on being filled and overflowing and pouring it out and, and getting impartation and whatever you need to keep it flowing. Amen? Number two, Elisha's 14th miracle. You know, both Jesus and Elisha raised both children and adults from the dead during their ministry. And, and we know some of the miracles Jesus performed when he interrupted a, a funeral, a widow's only child, young man, I think, at this stage. But because he died, there was no one to, to provide for her. And Jesus thought, this is not on. So he interrupted the funeral, put his hand on the coffin. Wait, stop. Get up. Give him back to the mum. Pretty cool way to interrupt the funeral, right? And, uh, you know, of course, you've heard of the story of a Lazarus, friend of Jesus, who died. Jesus waited four days or whatever it was. till He was dead and buried in the tomb four days when Jesus turned up, at least. And just thought, you know, well, let's just have a better miracle than just healing him when he's sick. Let's just wait for a bit. This is better, you know. <laughs> and raises him from the dead, and it's phenomenal, right? Now, on the 2nd of December, 2001, Reinhard Bonnke was opening a 12,000-seat church in the city of Onitsha, Nigeria. And a woman by the name of Nanika Ikuchuku brought her husband, Pastor Daniel, to the meeting. The only problem was Pastor Daniel had been killed in a car accident three days earlier. Pastor Daniel had spent two nights in the morgue. He had been partially embalmed. He was not just dead. He was dead, cold, stiff, dead, embalmed dead, right? And she brought him to the meeting, believing the presence of God in the meeting would raise her husband from the dead. Of course, she faced a little bit of opposition, trying to bring the dead body through the gates. And, uh, you know, they wouldn't let her to do that. She had to take him down into the basement and put him on a table in the basement. A few people gathered around and uh, joined in faith with this woman, great wife to have when you die in a car accident, prayed there, and to everybody's surprise, this cold, stiff corpse began to breathe. So they thought we better warm him up. So they started rubbing his arms and legs and getting the blood circulating again until eventually he sat up. A little bit groggy to start with, but eventually he began to talk and 
He'd been smashed up in a car accident. He'd been dead three days, and there he's sitting up talking to them. No brain damage, nothing. And when I was invited by Ronart Bonke to Lagos, Nigeria in 2017 to his farewell crusade, I was in the bus going from the hotel to the crusade field with Pastor Daniel in the bus. <laughs> Hanging out with a man who'd been dead. Pretty cool. Amen. So I want to look at Elisha's second resurrection. This is the second time he'd resurrected somebody. The crazy thing about this is that he raised the man from the dead when he was dead himself. The story goes in 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 20, then Elisha died and was buried. And Moabite raiders would invade the land of Israel every spring, or the land of Judah. Uh, once the Israelites, it goes on to say, once the Israelites were burying a man. So there was a man who had died and they were having his funeral. And as they're taking the body into the cemetery to bury him in his own grave, they look up and they saw a band of Moabite raiders storming over the hills on their, on their horses. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> they had to make a quick decision. Um, do we, A, continue with this funeral? Put the man in his grave and get killed. And then next week, there'll be our funerals. Or B, throw this guy in the nearest tomb, get the heck out of here. They decided on B, as you would, right? Who votes B? Yeah, we all vote B on that one. And so they voted B, chucked him in the nearest tomb. Now, the tombs, these sepulchres had like these stone slabs on the top that weighed about 100 kilograms. So that it must have been perhaps a little bit open, if it was happened to be the tomb of Elisha, right? Now, what would Elisha's tomb been open for? I thought, well, maybe because he was in the habit of raising people from the dead, they might have thought he might have raised from the dead himself. And if he'd raised from the dead and he was in a tomb that was not open, he would have suffocated and died again. So no one would have known he would have raised from the dead. It would have been a big waste of time. So they left it ajar. So if he did raise from the dead, he could get out. But anyway, that's all speculation, of course. So they throw this guy into the tomb and turn to run. And when the man rolls into the tomb and his body hits the bones of Elisha, the bones, he'd been dead a long time, hits his bones, whew, power went out of those bones into that body and that body was raised from the dead. And that man jumped up out of that grave, shouts out to his mates, hey guys, wait for me. <laughs> and that's when the first four minute mile was actually broken. <laughs> As you could imagine, they smoked, smoked their wheels at that time. But uh, so we see that miracle, we think, wow, phenomenal. The, the, uh, the anointing on Elisha that was on his life was so powerful that it remained in his bones even after he was dead. But the reality is that this is one of the tragedies of Scripture. Because the question is, what the heck was his anointing doing in his bones? Why wasn't it passed on to his successor in the same way Elijah passed it on to him? In a double portion could have been passed on in a double portion to his successor. Why didn't that happen? Well, I'm glad you asked that question 
So let me tell you why. It's found in the healing of Naaman the leper. Naaman was the commander of the army of Aram. Now, Aram, like the Moabites, would come into the towns of Israel and raid and rape and pillage and do horrible things. Now, Naaman contracted leprosy. And so he's in a predicament. You know, he had a servant girl in his house who he'd flogged from Israel during one of the raids. And she said, you know, if my master only went to see the prophet Elisha in Israel, he would cure you of your leprosy. Now, he, the leader of the army that was continually attacking Israel, now needed to go to Israel to get healed. So he thought, I better do this all right, go through the right protocol. He, you know, got his entourage. He sent a letter, or actually got a letter from the king of Aram for the king of Israel. And it's a whole story in itself. But he went with the goodies. He went with the equivalent of $250,000 worth of silver and $4 million worth of gold. And 10 Amani suits to give to the person who was going to heal him. Cut a long story short, he eventually rocks up at the house of Elisha. Now, Elisha, knowing who he is, doesn't want to have anything to do with him, sends his servant, his could-be, would-be successor, Gehazi, out to deal with him. He told Gehazi, tell him, just go dip in the Jordan River seven times and he'll be healed of his leprosy. Now, Naaman got upset. He was like, flipping heck, I thought the guy would come out and wave his hands over me and invoke the name of God and all that. And it's interesting, you know, because sometimes when it comes to healing, I mean, I pray for the sick, I teach on praying for the sick and all that, but did that here, what, probably 12, 15 years ago, something like that. But the thing was this, there are principles, there are ways of doing things, but, but sometimes some people break all the rules, but still see God move. And I've discovered through the years, you know, it's not necessarily so much dependent upon the formula or the form, it's more dependent upon who you're putting your faith in, you know, and, and that you are putting your faith in Him. It's just, that's it. You ask Jesus, believe in He'll do it. And uh, so anyway, Naaman calmed down, went into the Jordan, had a dip seven times, come out the seventh time, leprosy was all cleansed. So he comes back to Elisha's house and he's trying to give him all of this stuff. And Elisha doesn't want a bar of it. He doesn't want a bar of silver. He doesn't want a bar of gold. I'm sure that's where it comes from. And uh, didn't want those clothes, nothing. Get out of here. Because he knew that, that this guy, Naaman, was going to continue to lead the army to rape and pillage Israel. So get out of here. Don't have anything to do with you. So this is where the story turns bad. Because Gehazi, the man who had seen Elisha perform incredible miracles, raise the dead, multiply food, do all sorts of extraordinary things. Suddenly, Gehazi takes his eyes off God and puts it on the gold of Naaman. As Naaman's going off, he's like, well, I could have had all that stuff, you know. Could have been his successor and got all his goodies and the inheritance. And then so he thinks up a plot and he sneaks out from Elisha and he goes and chases after Naaman and he makes up a story. He says, look, after you, after you went, a couple of prophets turn up. So Elisha sent me to ask if you would please give us two sets of clothes and 
75 pounds of silver. Of course, he was wanting it for himself. Now, it's interesting because Naaman, who was going to give them tons of it, of course, no problem. And he said, here, have 150 pounds of silver. He gave him a double portion. Gehazi received a double portion, but of the wrong stuff. Because what happened, when he got back, he hid it in his tent and all that, and then he snuck in and presented himself to Elisha. And Elisha said to Gehazi, where have you been, Gehazi? And Gehazi said, eh, nowhere. You don't lie to a prophet, right? Elisha said to Gehazi, hmm, wasn't my spirit with you when Naaman got down off his chariot? You could imagine Gehazi's blood run cold. He was busted, right? But not only did he get busted, he got judged. See, Elisha said to Gehazi, it's not the time to be chasing after the silver and the gold. It, because you've done that, you've got the goodies, but you're also going to get his leprosy. And you are going to pass on his leprosy to your children and your children's children. What an idiot. I mean, this guy who had the, the potential, the opportunity to receive Elisha's mantle, Elisha's anointing, even in a double portion, Elijah's in a four times. And instead of getting that, what does he get? He gets leprosy. And what does he pass on? He passes on leprosy. What a tragedy. Because his heart was in the wrong place. His eyes were on the wrong thing. He missed out. He got his double portion, but he didn't get the double portion God had intended for him. So the question I have for you today is this. Where is your heart? What's got your eye? What is it that you want? Or what is it that you think you need? Because so often we spend our lives chasing after what we think we need. But the Bible says, God knows your needs even before you ask. He knows, but He does say this, Seek first my kingdom and righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. See, you can go chasing after the stuff and get distracted and get derailed and get sidetracked and miss out on what God's created you for in the first place, and at the end of the day, you completely miss out on everything. You know, it's good to know we've got an amazing God, right? We've got a God who is our provider, and He provides abundantly, more than enough. He is our healer. He heals us. Look, we see here Elisha healing the leper. We know Jesus healed several lepers in Scripture. There was one leper came to Jesus, said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I'm sorry, mate, I'm not healing lepers today. He didn't say that, did he? What did Jesus say? I am willing. He's always willing. It's just whether or not we're willing to come to him and reach out to him. We know Jesus said, I am willing. Be cleansed. And he was cleansed. Ten lepers came to Jesus. Go show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were all cleansed. But we need to understand something. See, Jesus would have us to be cleansed of all of our sicknesses. Yes. But... Leprosy is a type of sin. 
in Scripture as well. So not only would He have us to be cleansed of all of our sicknesses, also and primarily, He would have us to be cleansed of all of our sins. It's because it's our sin that separates us from God. It's our sin that robs us of His best for our life, from His plans and purposes and all of that. So He would, He offers healing to us. We're going to pray for the sick today. We're going to believe God for miracles in this place. We, but, but even more so, the greatest miracle is not the healing of your body. The greatest miracle is that you're set free from your sin. Because it's your sin that robs you of God's best for your life. It's your sin that robs you of His presence and plans and purposes. And it will separate you from God for eternity. And you don't want to be separated from God for eternity. Amen. And maybe I could invite the musicians to come. I'm not finished my message. I've got a little bit to go. But I'd like to invite the, mes- the uh, music, worship, whoever's coming. That'd be great. But I want to stop here for a moment. I want to give you an opportunity because just like Gehazi, maybe for you, you haven't yet taken that step. Maybe you haven't yet received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know, the Bible says we've all sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. God didn't send Jesus to condemn us. It's not all about judging us and, and, and rejecting us. It's about paying the penalty for our sins so that we can be saved. So we can be connected with God and so we can fulfill the plan that God created us to fulfill in the first place. Amen. And so I want to pause here to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. But like Gehazi, maybe you have, maybe you come to church from time to time. You might even come to church regularly, but you know the reality is that something got your eye. Something's drawn your heart away from God. And you're in pursuit of things that you know are pulling you away from the presence of God, pulling you away from His plans and purposes. And you're like, God, I need to get back right with you. I need to reconnect my heart with you and what you've called me to do. I want to ask you if you could stand but not move, please. If you could just stand up for a second. As I say, I'm not quite finished my message. But I just want to take this moment to give you this opportunity to respond to Jesus and get cleansed. Get the junk out. Get right with God. It's, it's available for every one of us. It's a free gift free gift of salvation. And so maybe if you'd like to close your eyes, bow your heads around the room. For you today, you might be responding to receive salvation for the first time. Or like Gehazi, you may have got distracted and you headed off the track. You might have got yourself into all sorts of trouble or you might not yet. You might be just on the road towards Naaman. But today you want to get right with God. You want to take this opportunity. He's not going to condemn you. He's going to cleanse you. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If you want to be made right with God this morning, while we have our eyes closed, our heads bowed, can you just give me a wave? Wherever you are, that's great. Hands going up all around. Wow. Okay. Awesome. 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 Got about a dozen people or more. Raise their hands. We're going to pray a prayer today and uh, if you are if you got your hand raised or you felt you should have raised your hand and you want to get right with God today maybe if you're listening in on the podcast also pray this prayer with us 
and Okay, we're going to pray this prayer together. And uh, as we pray this prayer, I really want you to mean it with all of your heart. God's going to respond. Let it not just be blah, blah, blah. It's not just a matter of vain repetition. It's a matter of a prayer coming from your heart. See, God's looking at your heart response today. This is going to be significant in where we're going from here with this message as well. But let your heart response be, God, I really, really want to get right with you today. So come on, let's, let's pray this. Father God. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you have a great plan for my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross to pay the penalty for my sin. I ask you, forgive me for my sin. I turn from it today. I give you my life. Live in me. Help me to live for you. Help me fulfill the plan you have for me. Thank you for cleansing me and giving me a brand new start. I love you, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. That's awesome. That's awesome. Listen, if you did pray that prayer for the first time, let me encourage you. See Pastor James or part of the leadership team or someone in the foyer, whatever. Uh, we want to make sure we put into your hands material that's going to help you on your walk with God. And uh, if you're listening to this on a podcast, just send a text through or contact the church. We'll help you on your journey with God. That's really, really important. It's not about a one-night stand. It's about a journey. And uh, we need help on that journey. Amen. Which is really, really awesome. Now, I just want to finish up this message quickly. 2 Kings chapter 13. You can stand up because you're going to get ready to run. All right. 2 Kings chapter 13. When Elisha was on his deathbed. Okay, this is the one who received the double portion. Is now on his deathbed. King Josiah, sorry, King Jehoash comes to visit him. And you know what Jehoash says when he comes into the room? He says, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. Oh, here's the same thing again. What happened the first time? See, there's a, there's a law in Scripture called the law of first mention. You've got to pay attention what happened the first time because then that can happen the second time, right? And then it can happen when you start applying it. So what happened? So the first time when that was shouted out, Elisha was about to be taken up to heaven or was being taken up to heaven. A great prophet being taken up to heaven. And as he was being taken up, heaven was open to receive him. And a blessing was made available for who was there. Who was there? Elisha was there the first time. Elisha asked for a double portion. What did he get? He got it. He got his double portion. Okay, so now here we have Elisha about to go up to heaven. Heaven is being opened up and a blessing is being made available for who's there. Who's there? Jehoash is there. And what happens? Elisha says to Jehoash, Jehoash, take a bow and an arrow. And come over here. Let me lay my hands on your hands. So he lays his hands on an impartation. All right. He says, open that window. Shoot the arrow out. This is your arrow of victory over Aram. Over Aram. This is Naaman's army. 
who's continued to come back and harass and do all the bad stuff in Israel. And so you can have victory over him. This is your arrow of victory. Now quickly, take the rest of the arrows. These are your victory arrows. Smash them on the ground. Bang them on the ground. And so Jehoash goes, tap, tap, tap. And Elisha gets mad. Elisha said, what are you doing? You've only tapped the ground three times. You are now only going to see three victories over Aram. You should have at least smashed the ground five or six times. Then you would have completely annihilated your enemy. What was he saying? He was saying this. You cannot receive a double portion blessing with a half-hearted prayer. You can't get a hold of everything that God has got for your life with a ho-hum attitude or whatever kind of approach. And you don't want half a miracle. Does anybody want half a miracle? No, you don't want half a miracle. You don't want half a breakthrough. You don't want half a blessing. You don't want half of your family saved. You want it all, don't you? Can you say amen? You, you want a double portion, don't you? Amen. So if you do want a double portion, I want you to show God something today that you want it with all of your heart. I want you to get out of your seat and come on down here and come and just put feet to your faith right now and say, God, I believe. God, I'm coming and I'm coming after it because heaven is open in this meeting. Don't wait for someone else. Get out of your seat now. Don't wait for other people to come. You come. You show God that you want this. You show God that you believe He's a God who's able. He's a God who's able to, to uh, exceedingly abundantly above do all that you ask or think. Amen. He wants to do great things. He wants maybe today you're like, I'm so dry. I really need a fresh and filling of the Spirit of God. Or maybe you've never been filled with the Spirit of God. Maybe you don't speak in tongues. Maybe you don't have spiritual gifts and spiritual languages. And you're like, man, I need spiritual gifts. I need spiritual languages. I want that oil poured into my life. Then you come. We're going to pray for you that God will fill you up. Because He wants to fill you to overflowing. Being a Christian, it's not just about being good people. That's part of it. That's the fruit of the Spirit. But it's about being powerful people. That's the gifts of the Spirit. God, would have, God wants to flow through your life in dynam dynamic power. Amen. He wants to impact the whole world around you and through you. It's amazing. He wants to use you in an incredible way. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, what I want to do, I just want to get a little bit of an indication. If you have not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you don't yet speak in tongues, you don't have spiritual gifts operating in and through your life, and you'd like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, can you give me a wave first? Let me see your hands, okay? Number of people there. Anyone else? If you're still in your seat, say, yep, I need that. You know, honestly, scripturally, Christians need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to His disciples, that was His followers, don't, he said, wait in Jerusalem until you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Wait until you receive the promise of the Father. Don't try being Christians without that spiritual impartation, without that spiritual gift. So it's normal Christianity to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we have a number of you raise your hands. Come to the middle here. Could you do that?
that? Those of you who raise your hands, you want to receive the Holy Spirit, come here, come to the middle. Others, maybe you once got baptized in the Spirit, or at least you got a warm fuzzy in a meeting one day, or you got a little bit of a ba 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 or you got a ta-ta-ta, and that's about all you've got. You haven't got shakaraba You can't pray in all sorts of different languages. You don't have words of knowledge, words of wisdom, faith for healing and miracles, discerning of spirits and all of that. And you're like, don't. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm talking about normal Christianity. So, so many of us are just standing on the side thinking, oh, you know, it's all about being nice. No, there's power God wants to give you. Maybe, you know, you need some more oil poured in. You need that overflow. You might have been filled up to the brim. You got Jesus. You got filled with the Spirit when you got saved. You know, you got received the Holy Ghost, but you're not baptized. And you want that. Or you want more. Can you come and join us here? Just come and join us here. Anyone else? You say, yeah, you're talking to me. Come on, I'm being I'm being honest right now. It doesn't make you less than anyone else. It's just being real. It's like, I, I, I need a top up. I need, I need the Holy Ghost. I really need an infilling of His Spirit. Amen. That's awesome. And so what we're going to do, we're not forgetting about all of you double portion ones because we're going to get to all of you. Okay, we've got a bit more time in this service. I got a little bit too excited last service and wrapped up too soon. <laughs> I thought you guys were coming sooner, but uh, just like Jesus. But no, it's like He's coming soon, isn't He? But not quite before lunch anyway, uh, I hope. <laughs> so let me get back to it. We're going to pray for you guys. And um, my wife's here, Pastor James is here, and you got a ministry team here, James? Okay, some, some will come behind you. So what we're going to do is I am going to pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit. And as I say, I have seen thousands and thousands of people receive the Holy Spirit. All you need to receive the Holy Spirit is two things, to believe and to ask. That's it. If you don't believe you're going to receive it, you won't receive it. But see, Jesus said it's for everyone who asks. So if you believe Jesus' words, you can have it. Some people are afraid of the Holy Spirit. You know, I've been in some religious kind of setup where they say, oh, it's not for today or it's of the devil. Sort of silly lies like that. That's devil stuff right there. That's, the, that's, that's deception to rob you from the power of God. That's why Jesus said, if you ask your father for an egg, he's not going to give you a scorpion. If you ask him for a loaf of bread, he's not going to give you a stone. If you ask God for the Holy Spirit, he's going to give you the Holy Spirit. Amen. So you can have peace in your heart when you ask God. You can have faith in your heart when you ask God. And you can receive the Spirit. And so I'm going to pray for you to receive the Spirit. And this is how it's going to happen. I'm going to encourage every one of you in just a moment to do this. Okay. Practice. Stretch your hands up, lift your head back. Excellent. Don't bend your elbows. Stretch your hands right up because I want you to see yourself like a funnel. You can put your hands down just for a second. I want you to see a funnel, a vessel, right? Like a jar, a glass. You are the vessel. You are the funnel. The funnel is hooking up, reaching up. And I am going to pray for God's Spirit to come and fill you. He is going to pour out His Spirit. I know because this always happens. And those of you who are reaching out, believing, asking, you will receive. You will be filled with the Holy Spirit. God will come and fill up this vessel and it will begin to bubble up. Begin to bubble up. And then soon it, out of your innermost being will come rivers of living water. Okay? A spiritual language will come out of your lips. Now, God's not going to come and grab your lips and go, blah, 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 all right? 
And it's not you. It's not me saying, say hallelujah, hallelujah. It's not that. It's like what's going to happen is is a, is a you receiving. It's you're going to pray not out of your mind. You're going to pray out of what's filling your spirit. All right. And it's kind of like a dance. You know, you dance with somebody. You kind of like. You're not talking, saying, put your foot there, move your foot three inches that way. No, it's like, you don't have to think about it. You just do it. And this is how it is. Just open your mouth and start to speak. Start to pray. You can sing if it's easier for you. But just let the language come out. And to start with, your lips might go, they might go, they might do something like that. That's okay. Just go with it. Go with what you might, your lip just might go, go with it. Whatever starts happening, go with it because soon, you know, you pump a well, you get a, nothing to start with, then you get a little sp- 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 and then you get sh- 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 and then a flow. All right, so go with what you receive and receive it in faith. And then we're going to keep believing for breakthrough and whatever, whatever double portion you believe in God, whatever miracle you need from God, we're going to pray. I don't care if I stay here, we're not flying until like six o'clock. So five, no, five past, ten past five, isn't it? Now we'll pray for you. That's all good. But you ready? I love this. This is exciting. It's really exciting. And guys, if you just want to flow with me, that'd be good. And, and so quickly, stretch your hands up. You're receiving the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're receiving a top up. You're, you've dried up. Your well is dried up. You haven't prayed in tongues for weeks. And, and you want to see that overflow, that that river bubbling forth again. So stretch up your hands. Father, I thank you for these beautiful people here. I thank you right now that you're a good God and you've got a good gift for every single one of them. And in the mighty name of Jesus, come and fill them with the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Ghost now in Jesus' name. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a shikarabasa. Receive shikarabasa. Receive Holy Spirit. Just move with what your tongue's doing. Move with what it's doing. Receive. Feel. Holy Ghost. Shikarabasa. 